Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Purdy Insurance. Visit Purdy Insurance on Market Street in Sunbury or visit online at purdyinsurance.com. Mike Gross joins us. Hi, Steve. Mike, how you been? I've been great. How are you doing? Doing really well. That's good. So, That's good. Uh, sound good. This is it. Yeah, this has been. It's, it's going to be an interesting year in a lot of ways. Uh, so, what has been your read to this point on what we could see? Uh, I would say that uh, this is. I, I think the reason. I, I think there's a lot of hype for this Penn State team. Obviously, you don't need me to tell you that. But I, I think it's. I, I think the reason for it is uh, two sort of interconnected things, which is depth and star power. I think in this Penn State team, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm sure you're aware of Bruce Feldman's freak list. Bruce Feldman is the national college football writer for the Athletic, but uh, he has this list of 101 players that he considers to be the craziest, most athletic, off the chart talents in the country uh of those 100 kids six of them are from penn state more than any other program and uh a couple of them might not even start <laughs> so that's uh right. that's an idea of both the star and and none of the six are named drew Aller. so that gives you a, a sense of uh, that's sort of a short version of the depth and the star power that this team has which is why people are so excited Mike, you have written about seasons leading in that didn't have expectations. You've written about seasons leading in that have expectations. Give us the writer's approach to each as to how you view expectations, whether they're lacking or explosive. Yeah, I, I think I think one of the I, it's funny because I'm working on I'm working on the big Penn State season preview, which goes in Sunday, which will go in this Sunday. I'm working on that right now, so I'm kind of thinking about that, that exact second, that yeah. exact question. You were prescient to ask that question. Uh, I, I think it's <laughs> in, in this in this case in this case with a lot of expectations. I think you you look at. Um, yeah, I, I get why the anticipation is is so great. But what are some potential flies in the ointment? What are some things that could go wrong? Because there's so many moving parts on a football team that that uh, of course there, there's always some thing like that for everybody, for even for Georgia. Uh, um, so so I, I think I think it's almost. Um, it's almost an opposite thing. If, if the ex, if the if the uh, if the expectations are super high, then you sort of look at, well, here's how they should be tempered or why they should be tempered, and maybe the other way around when the expectations are not as high. Interesting, very interesting. All right. Maybe. So <laughs> when you look at the expectations of this team, all right, what are a couple of items that are running through your mind? Where you until you see performance on the field? Maybe an area or two that should be tempered. Yeah. Though, well, one is one is, and this is one that nobody has talked about much. Is the specialists, the kickers and the punters. 
and and there's not much to say about it. The, the ball either goes through the uprights or it doesn't, and it's uh, the right. the guys that are going to be doing it are mostly, uh, I think, unknown quantities at this point. But um, you know, that that's a very critical area that could cost you a game if it if it goes if it goes off the rails. I'm not saying it will, uh, but it, again, it's kind of hard to talk about and write about because we just don't know anything about. We just don't know enough about these guys. And another one would be. Um, I think I, the specific position groups where, for example, defensive tackle, uh, losing uh, Mustafer, you not only lost a great player, you lost a leader and a guy who brought a lot to the table. Same thing with Jair Brown and the safety group. Uh, not only an excellent player, but a leader and a playmaker and a really dynamic guy. And, and, and maybe in the wide receiver group, uh, what Jahan Dotson brought. Uh, th- those things. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying Penn State doesn't have those things. I'm saying let's see. And particularly in at safety and dis- well, I would say at all three of those position groups, um, they have a lot of depth. They have a lot of athletes. I mean, they have a lot of defensive tackles. Uh, they have a lot of guys that are good candidates to be safeties. And needless to say, they have like a dozen guys <laughs> that are in the stampede at wide receivers. So. So again, depth and star power. I think in those areas where maybe they're they don't have an obvious uh, standout, uh, they do have some depth. And let's let them sort of compete with each other and figure it out. Uh, you, the other part is we know what the schedule happens to be, and you don't know what the personnel grouping is going to be like on each particular week. But when you yep. look at how the schedule lays out. Does it lay out in such a way that it gives a, a team a chance, if they are that good, to then meet expectations? Just the, this, the layout of it. Yeah, that's that's an interesting question because I think, for example, week three, uh, that's kind of a tough game at Illinois uh, against a team that knows how to defend, and they might, they might not be quite as good defensively based on what's coming back as they were last year. Uh, and and I mean, they were a tough out last year. And, and and you're going into their place. I, I think that would be a, a, a tough spot. But overall, and, and I just did the Big Ten preview last week, so I was looking at everybody's schedule, and, and I, I think their schedule is relatively manageable. It's not easy. It's not going to be easy. Um, you know, a lot of the... A lot of the Las Vegas uh, contingent thinks that Maryland, for example, is a very scary game on mm-hmm. the road uh, against a team that has a quarterback. Now, you you may remember last year, uh, Penn State dominated that game on the line of scrimmage to the point where the quarterback was pretty negated and was running for his life. But right. but uh, yeah, yeah. And, and so so I mean, I, I think the schedule is. Uh, okay, I think there are some teams in the Big Ten that have tougher schedules. Uh, I think there are some that have uh, a little bit easier path. When you were doing the Big Ten preview, give me a couple of elements that stuck out to you about other teams within the conference that really caught your eye. Well, for example, I was I was when I I, I I do each division and I do them in order of my predicted finish. Okay, so I was not expecting mm-hmm. I picked Iowa to win the West, and I was not expecting to do that going in, remembering mm-hmm. just how brutal they were offensively last year. I mean, they were I, a couple yeah. times I watched some of their games. Oh my God, they were it's hard to believe how bad they were. But they have ten starters back on offense. 
and a new quarterback, uh, the Michigan transfer, who's a pretty good player. So, I, And they should be about as good defensively, and their special teams are as good as anybody's. So I think I think I was a pretty a pretty scary team. Uh, they're one that maybe they're one that maybe uh, surprised me in a, in a positive way a little bit. Interesting. Uh, we've talked a lot about realignment. Now that's not going to figure into what you're writing about at this particular time. So I'm going to take you right. out of the realm of the Big Ten for the moment in terms of sure. this season. Mm-hmm. But Oregon, Washington, USC, and UCLA come into play starting next year. What what will the dynamics of the Big Ten potentially be with the addition of those four schools, and how much more difficult did everybody's job become on both coasts because of it? Well, I think I think it became a lot more difficult because, in a lot of ways, it's not just that you have to play USC. I mean, that's that's an obvious thing. We don't know how the league's going to be aligned. We don't know what the schedule's going to look like. Uh, right. But but uh, uh, this year, if I look at these advanced metrics preseason rankings, I mean, Washington and Oregon and USC are top fifteen teams. So, so obviously that makes things a lot more difficult. And then, um, does it become more of an imperative to recruit more nationally, to recruit on the West Coast? I don't know. I don't know how uh, how how uh, Penn State will approach that. Uh, but you know, we're, we've gotten so used to this idea of catching up to Michigan and Ohio State. That's been the dynamic for so long now right, that sure. uh, it's not that it's not that anymore. Now it becomes a little uh, it becomes a little different. I'm I'm really interested to see what they do in terms of alignment and whatever they do. I guess they're not going to do divisions it doesn't sound like, but however they do right. the schedule, um, it, it's it's really it's really and it's it's also it's so fluid. I mean, maybe, maybe it'll change next week. I mean, I, you know, so that's really a wild card. It's interesting because last Thursday, Mike Rhodes and I uh, were in Hershey uh, for an event. Char Moret was there with us as well. Yeah, I actually got invited to that, and I was going to – I I had something. I would have I I gone to that and checked you guys out. But oh. anyway – Oh, Go good! Uh, no, it was, qu- it was quite. It was quite the act. You would have loved it. Uh, so. uh, <laughs> of course. Yeah. But when when it came for my part of the Q and A, near the end, somebody asked me about Oregon and Washington coming in, and I was standing there listening. And as the question came up, there was there were groans from the crowd. Not about the question, but I think about the fact that Oregon and Washington are coming in, like, uh, yeah, yeah. I, which I found to be that kind of reaction is, it's it's organic, it's raw, yeah. Yeah. and I thought it was very interesting to hear when you have talked to people. What have they said to you about the addition of Oregon and Washington, which just came out of the blue after the Pac-12 presented a TV contract that nobody wanted? <laughs> yes, that's for sure. Uh, like, why did they even present that? But anyway, uh, right. yeah, I, I, I think the reaction that I've gotten from my readers and just from people that I talk to uh, could be summarized in a collective groan. <laughs> I, I think okay. people, one of the things that people 
that makes college football special and that that people have such an emotional connection to it, I think, is that regional element and the whole element of rivalries and the whole element of you can compete with the buddy that's in the office down the, that you talk to at the water cooler every day because he's an alumni of your rival school and you can mm-hmm. compete year-round in recruiting and, and, and uh, the whole thing. So I, I think that's getting lost a little bit with this conference realignment. And I, 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 haven't, I have not heard from anybody who's thinking, hey, man, that's going to be awesome when Oregon and Washington are in the, in the league. Mm-hmm. I haven't heard anybody say that, even though those are great programs. And, I, you know, I mean, maybe I'm going to get to go to Seattle. I've never been to Seattle. I'm gonna, you know, that kind of thing. But, but I, I, think, I think there's a regional element to college football that is, that is almost completely unique in all of American sports and that, that I think most people feel is being compromised. That's a really interesting point because that has always been. And when Joe tried to put together the Eastern All Sports Conference, he was thinking about the regionalization part of it. But it is now expanded in such a way where the Big Ten is is coast to coast. I just, but it's interesting that you're getting the same reaction. And again, I didn't bring it up. It was a fan asking me the question, and I paused a moment just to kind of gauge the room. And the room was not happy. Right, not with the answer. I mean, I hadn't answered anything yet. But yeah, I get, was, I, I get, I have gotten a fair number of email and just general, you know, social media reactions, and and it's it it, it uh, charts exactly with what you're saying. Yeah. Wow, that's that is amazing. All mm. right, so back to this football team. You look, yeah. you look at the the quarterback part of it. Uh, you know, this is one of those teams that quote has to replace its starting quarterback. So, how are you viewing this? What are you going to look for in the opening, let's say, month of the season that tells everybody that that part's on track? Well, I, I, I don't. I'm not. I'm not worried. Worried is not the right word, but I, I don't. If I was a Penn State fan, I would not be worried about talent, arm talent with Drew Aller, and poise. Because I think he's shown he's got tons of that. Uh, the only thing I would say is is elite level decision making. That that's the that's the thing that sets quarterbacks apart, in my view. And I, I think that's the thing that we haven't seen enough of Drew Aller to uh, to know whether he has it or not. And when he did get thrown into the fire last year uh, at Purdue, that was so early that it's it it almost doesn't count for that. You could see flash. You could see what people are excited about in that tiny little sample size. But you, but you, you couldn't really see what I'm talking about: the decision-making things, the understanding of the offense. Uh, you know that that's so critical to me. That's so critical to getting the ball where where it needs to go. Um, if he can figure out where the ball needs to go. He's going to be able to get it there. I don't think there's any doubt about that, and I'm not worried about him as a leader, as a poised guy, as a, as a being able to handle the pressure, even though there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure on Drew Aller. There's no way around that. Mike, tremendous as always. Really appreciate the time and the insight. Always, always good to talk to you, Steve. I appreciate it.